Hi, and welcome to the Dewing Grain podcast. Dewing Grain are independent and local grain traders. From seed supply to harvest movement and storage contracts, they can offer you the best strategies to achieve the highest prices for your harvest. Each week on our podcast, we begin with the Dewing Grain Market Report, giving you up-to-date information and analysis, followed by the Farm Chat, where we catch up on agricultural issues with a guest or two, whilst occasionally sampling a beer, Andrew's favourite bit. So let's start with Andrew Dewing with this week's Market Report. Market report for week commencing 1st of May 2023. It is May, everybody. So that means harvest is around the corner. I can tell you all some important news. Harvest will not start the first week of July. There we go. It's been cold, it's been wet, and the growth stages, it's not steaming ahead. And with the forecast we've got looking immediately ahead, it's going to not be uh, steaming forward particularly fast. It'll be perhaps normal time harvest, which is uh, whatever that means. So that's exciting. The talk today is between Webby, Ben and myself, and we're vaguely grown up for a change. We have a pretty in-depth conversation about the tenders and about current items that are on the agenda in our little world. So the bulk of the conversation about what the markets are going to do is largely covered within that, so I'm not going to repeat myself. I'm also a little bit late setting off to get for the doing podcast walk, so I hope to be there exactly on the dot, so I'm going to talk quick. Old crop feed barley 170x farm. If you've got any, sell it to stop messing around. Old Crop Feed Wheat has, in the 24 hours since we recorded our little conversation about the current market, the market has come under a lot of pressure. Old Crop's kind of done the bulk of its damage to itself. So X farm value, I would put around 185X. There are people filling boats at the moment, and sometimes when the boat's on the quay and they're struggling to get tonnage down there and problems have arisen with bugs or something in various places, they might pay you a bit more money. So 185 to 190 is about the X-Farm feed wheat value. There is a fair way to go, and I have just mentioned the harvest is a little bit later than last year, so just maybe there's a glimmer of light at the end of July for you, but I don't think so. I think there's too much wheat, and I think we've said that for so long that even I'm finding myself boring. So moving on to old crop, Aussie rape, 370, car crash, don't want to talk about that ever again, thanks very much. So we're going to move on to new crop seamlessly. First observation about new crop is we have got less tonnage sold forward than usual. Now that's something which quite often is determined by farmers wanting to do stuff. They will allow people to have their own minds and they say, well, I'll do, I want to do a bit, I don't want to do a bit. We've got less sport forward than usual, which I don't know whether that's an industry-wide thing, but certainly at this moment that's a hideous, bad piece of marketing, trading, whatever you want to call it. We've got people committing to us to do the marketing for them, which we're taking some responsibility for, but I don't feel that comfy of selling the whole lot forward even now, even with the market under immediate pressure. And the immediate market pressure is, I think, going to continue. I think we're in for a, a further drop quite where it goes to I don't know but if the crop keeps developing in the same vein in Europe then it's a big European crop however there are other bullish arguments from other parts of the world so I feel very uncomfortable with new crop at this point in time values for feed barley harvest movement 165 delivered to a store I don't think it's going to trade as low as that when we get there there'll be boats trading at higher levels than that so my recommendation on feed barley if you're going to trade it which people generally don't. 165 delivered is too low, in my view. I might regret saying that in a few weeks, but I don't think so. Harvest movement wheat, the futures have dropped below £200 a tonne. So in the time from yesterday's recording to now, it had a jump downwards, and it's not in a great place. So harvest delivered store 180, and X farm November 185. 
the carry through to May is about eight or nine pounds a ton. So there is a bit of a carry for having a store. But in terms of price, it's pretty grumpy, miserable stuff. Sounding upbeat, we've got a million and one bank holidays this month. So we're never going to be at work anyway. And there's an awfully large amount of wheat loading out in the next six weeks that we think we're going to be quite busy emptying a lot of our stores of the product we've got. I'd like to think that the doing grain customer base have sold all their old crop wheat and they love us. But yeah, probably not. (laughs) Anyway. Good luck, everybody. See you next week. Thank you for listening. Please remember that any decision to trade on this opinion is yours. Advertising on this podcast works. Yeah Grain Central Grain Store is delighted to announce that all available storage capacity has now been sold. If you want sales and success, please contact East Coast Design Studio on 01603 728 978. And now it's time for the farm chat. Right, today I've got Ben and Webby and Josh might be joining us in a minute. So morning, guys. Hello. Hello. You'd be nice to each other today? Yep, always are. There's just a lot of mutual respect, I think. Okay. Okay, this is the May tender special, our favourite subject. So We've been excited about this for quite a while, haven't we? We get excited about this above everything else, you know. It's our main topic of conversation. So the big day came, which was Tuesday, and we found out who was putting stuff out there as future sales and turning them into gold, straw into gold. So there was a total of 757 lots, Mm. of which 533 was stock that was in there from November. Three tenders, yeah. And 224 originals. But most, it's probably important to mention, most of the retenders were Norfolk, weren't they? There was about yeah. 40,000 tonne of retenders. Yeah, but most of the original tenders were Norfolk. Were Norfolk, yeah. That's highly likely, wasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> true. And then the following day, the next day at trades, that some people who go, ooh, I want to get out of this now, there were seven retenders, so that mm-hmm. was not that many. And there were 94 originals, of which 90 came in from the middle of the country. It was, yeah. From Toaster. Now that, I Quite think... an undesirable tender, isn't it? Who wants that? Well, we've got nothing against Toaster, have we? But no. No, it's just in a horrible place in the country to get out of, isn't it? Well, it's yeah. the grain that's in store is going to leave the country on boats, isn't it? That yeah. We already know that. The people who are exporting are going out of Yarmouth. Yeah. And... Ipswich. To a degree. Yeah. And Portbury. Yeah. So... Those in the south, the stores that turned up, because it wasn't all East Anglia. This there was some Wessex in there, wasn't there? There was some... 59 lots of Wessex. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Some originals and some retenders. Um, Union Grain, that's in Lincolnshire. No, that's Skeggy, Skegness, yeah. yeah. Then there was Rands Aspen. were in there. I think, was it 60 lots out of Rands? Is that Essex or Hertfordshire? Mm, Cambridgeshire. Is it? Order. Do you know, we okay. don't know, do we? Anyway, somewhere down yeah. there, mate. You had another one near Bedfordia, yeah, yeah, and that's another. So those are all inland one that's not that attractive. Hefty, yeah, fairly hefty. The cream of the tenders, the Norfolk. That's the bit that. And Wallend is in Kent, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So then nothing that undesirable, but undesirable-ish. And then the toaster came in, which kind of went. Oops. Yeah. And we've noticed that. Cam Grain have got some registered tonnage. Whether well, that they've appears. they've registered through the Guardian system, which I'm sure the trades are aware of is. They have raised the warrants. So what, they might come on. Who knows? We don't know. But it is logged in the system. Yes, just to clarify that, Webby, it's logged. But, yeah, they don't necessarily have to come in, do they? Oh, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah the process is you have to raise your warrant seven days prior to tender. 
and then it's up to. So yeah, they could just sit there idling and do nothing with it. Do you think they're like you know sending us a dummy? Like it's all a big game of poker, isn't it? There's so much spoofing going on. I'm looking left, but I'm going to put the ball right <laughs> and hit it over the bar like that poor lad from Brighton. But it's, it's fascinating. I mean, we do enjoy this whole, like, I mean, yes, we're a small merchant, but being quite a key, we'll big ourselves up, a key participant in it. You know, we yeah. are, we've got our little place in this world and it's been in this market. But for us, it creates opportunity, I think, because we kind of get a reasonable grasp about who's doing what. I expected to see more Kent. And Southern England stuff, to be honest. And I I was surprised that... I think that they've been sifting through a lot of the feed, what we traditionally call a feed wheat, and they've been upgrading it. Mm -hmm. So I think that sucked a lot out onto boats in the south. Yeah, there's been... I think there's been more opportunity down there for, I don't know, UK peas or those funny varieties that can go elsewhere, either Tilbury or other ports. And Kent suits that. Okay. Yeah. So that's eroded that tonnage. But, I mean, the premium for the futures was pretty hefty. Yeah, it was at one stage, yeah, yeah. I suppose, I mean, well, no, that's the other question, is what is now the premium over the futures? But you say that, but when you've got a 60 quid milling wheat premium, what's, you know, 5 to 10 quid premium on, like, a traditional hard or something? True. Yeah. I mean, the feed wheat market today is bid 195, and the futures have traded 188. So it's a £7 premium. So um, the prediction of... It would sort itself out when the tender came through has come true. Mm. We're no longer trying to buy wheat at £10 under the May futures. We're going to be buying it at probably £3 under the May futures, yeah. depending on locale and where it is. Uh... But it is a very confused sentiment because on paper you feel that wheat is there, but then you kind of, you pick through the book and it's, there's not bucket loads. We, as a business, yeah. have chased all our farmers up and made them sell it. Yeah. Now, in two months' time, we might regret that. East Anglia might run out of wheat, and we've sold all of our wheat. Mm. It's gone, hasn't it? It's, we've yeah, sold yeah. it. Now, we are aware of some people who don't trade with us all the time that have got tonnages left. So clearly, now either we've given brilliant advice or we're going to be very embarrassed. But I, I think we're in the former camp. I can't yeah. see the rally. I can't see no. anything saving old crop price yeah. other than new crop. But the thing that has worried me a little bit, so we've heard this for the last three to four weeks of I'm going to carry it from the farmer. You know, for the bits, the little pockets are. Not necessarily our customers, but yes, okay, in theory, good plan. But none of them have sold the carry, or I don't believe they've sold the carry. They had the opportunity to basically sell 210x in Nov. Mm-hmm. And what's Nov wheat now? 190-odd quid? So X-Farm. Yeah, X-Farm, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yes, they've said they're going to carry it for the last 15 quid, but they've lost it. You know, it's, all... <laughs> it's arguably less than 190, actually. It is, it? yeah. It's 203, yeah, yeah. 202 traded, yeah. isn't it? 203 is the last yeah. trade value. True value, 87-odd. Yeah, 87-88, yeah. yeah. So there's no carry in that because you could make 190x for July. Yeah. So it's a, a discount to sell it for Nov now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Now, I think... Either old crop has to really suffer, and I think in some parts of the country it will, and new crop, I think new crop's more bearish than old at the moment. Yeah, I know where well, we've felt like this for the week. It's a lot of things of stacking up to make it look a bit ugly. Short-term ugly. My fear is, is it goes to that really miserable place before it starts to see the 30-quid rally we're all talking about. Has it got yeah. to go to 100, sub-180, 175 I mean, it is ugly now, yeah. isn't it? I must admit, we feel unfriendly to it without any farmer participation. 
Now the yeah. farmers have kind of yeah, well, it looks really good, but you know, I'm not going I'm not going to sell it at 180, 190, or whatever. Mm. I think that we are in dangerous territory now. Yeah. And there is an awfully long way to go. And I think if we're going to trade your crop purely on the basis of UK conditions, mm. you've got three weeks of bearishness ahead of you because there's enough moisture there now. I think the only glimmer of hope for farmers is these, I say glimmer of hope, this is a glimmer of hope at the price is the overcast days and not getting the sunlight to it. Yeah, which, yeah, go on. To price, not yield. Yeah, I mean, it has been really cold this past week. And that has slowed everything up. Which means a later harvest. A later harvest. Which could help old crop. Yeah, end, that could squeeze, because there'll be that gap, won't there? Well, I mean, what is it late or is it on time? Because last year was <laughs> yeah, early. Yeah. That's the other question, isn't it? Yeah. Last year was very early. Yeah. So, yes, it feels like it'll probably be a more on-time harvest. Well, we've put our bets on the board, haven't we, about when it's going to start, yeah. haven't we? Now, so I was going to come back to Ian's point of, you know, I agree, uh, new crop, yeah, short-term bearish, I do, but long-term, there are problems stacking up post-Christmas. Come on, give us something to cling to. What can we well, be friendly to? Russia are definitely going to have a smaller crop. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is, you know, I don't think you could dispute that. They won't be able to steal as much from Ukraine to begin with, so that'll cause problems. I think there are issues in Russia over, you know, drilling fertiliser, who's working the land, how the production's going to go. He lost many men to the, you know, army. They've all been killed, is that... Well, he's called them all up, hasn't he? has he, though? I mean... Well, he has, and then the others have all fled. And now he's having to change how he's calling them up, because they've all legged it. And so, of course, when these officers come and knock on the door and say, right, is Vladimir Vlovichkovich here? No, he's not here. Right, well, we can't serve the papers. Well, they're now doing it via email. So, you know, yeah. apparently if you get an email, you're in. Yeah, this is a bit like the BBC, they're <coughs> corroborating each story, isn't it? Like, yeah. Well, so, so, they've, so, they've legged it by Ben Chandler. <laughs> Where's your proof? Well, everyone knows it. It's all gay. <laughs> oh, they, well, we've got proof from our man from Georgia, haven't yeah, we? Yeah, we have, yeah. He's, God, he's, he said his country's full of Russians. Full of Russians. He said there's more yeah. Russians there. And he said they're basically supporting the economy single-handedly. Yeah, I mean, you put it out there, they're all farm workers as well. So there's nobody on the land in Russia. It's a disastrous crop, and consequently, the price is going to go up, yeah? That's one thing. <laughs> And I do think long-term there are these weather issues. I think the weather patterns are going to be more extreme. I do think that. Well, there was a thing, the temperature of the sea in the Arctic, or near the Arctic, 14 degrees higher than it should be. Yeah. And that that leads on, I'm told, to extreme weather events occurring. I can't explain the reason. No, I can't. It's all to do with the usual research pre this podcast. We don't know what we're going to talk about, so we can't (laughs) define it, but... The If you look at the weather in Spain at the moment, 38 degrees pressing towards 40. Yeah. They've had a pretty Phenomenal hefty drill. long. Yeah. And that is, it is way hotter than it normally is. This is above the norm. And bizarrely, isn't it? We're sitting here talking about, oh, yeah, we've had good rain, crops are good. But I think I read Devon is still going to have a hosepipe ban. Well, Norfolk might have a hosepipe ban because so. it's way down deep there. There isn't that much water. Yeah. Last year was a big drought. It was a very dry winter. So <clears throat> the aquifers are not full. And there are issues in America, but they've got issues on the Mississippi with low water levels. They've got that on the Colorado, because I yeah. mentioned it a few weeks ago. Yeah, well, on the Mississippi. So there are issues around transporting crops. 
I mean, obviously, Brazil at the minute is dominating the markets with its enormous soya bean crop. But, you know, <laughs> where's that going to go? The regular listeners will this appreciate This so childish. Right, we had um, that. Let's, uh, let's discuss that just quickly. Oh. Ben has just said soya beans, and Ian likes to say soybeans. Soybeans, yeah. And, and the point my, is... No, we, my argument is, right... <laughs> so, <laughs> my argument with this is... It's called both. I accept it's called both. Right. Soy, soya beans. <laughs> but the, the most widely traded market is a soybean market. But anyway, I'm... Were you doing an impression of anyone when you went, soya beans? <laughs> <laughs> look, um, yeah. there is definitively, we looked it up on the internet, it is definitively called either or, so you're both I right. Won't, I won't deny it, yeah. <sighs> both right. So, in the future... It doesn't rattle me as much as it rattles Ben, though. This <laughs> 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 is like having t- twin toddlers. <laughs> Anyway, right, so for those of you who appreciate our podcast, that is an ongoing source. Every time one says one, the other one winces, okay? So just, if ever we video it, I'll make them both say their other word, and you can look at their little faces. Right, where were you? Well, now that we've been talking about the soybean crop, (laughs) talking another American crop, about corn. Corn's been smashed into the ground. Mm. Great, you know, they're well ahead of the five-year averages. Good nick, you know, it's... Yeah, I worryingly, I think corn's going to start to break lower and it will lead everything with it. And also, I mean, not that we are key technical analysts, but Chicago wheat has broken through a double bottom as well, which should, in theory, take support out the market. Which, which, if you look at your corn thing, we looked at that chart this morning and it hadn't quite broken that very long not, term. No, though. correct, yeah. And we are looking yeah. at that. And if it does break that, then that is a gen. Even we know that's a technical break. You looked at... 2012. No, yeah, I saw something last night. I was being a, in the caravan, being a bit of a sad twat on my yeah. phone. And uh, there was a really good piece of red, and it, there was a guy drawing similarities between 12 and 20, and this current year, 23. And in 12, you saw March, April, and May get yeah, a real kicking through mm-hmm. planting. But then it rallied $3 from first week of June. That needs some sort of weather drug. I didn't get towards the end, but yeah, weather effect on the corn crop. Just following on from that corn crop, Webby, I think the other interesting thing is that, yeah, I think corn is obviously going in well, getting smashed in. But the United States has got this new economic policy, which I think is changing the dynamic. You know, Joe Biden, he's called it the anti-inflationary policy, but it is basically a green agenda. It's like Roosevelt, who back in the Depression went, right, we're going to build dams, we're going to build roads. Biden is saying... We are going green, and I do not want anything imported like batteries. I want more ethanol. I want greener tech. I want cars. But this is as much to do. I went to a meeting yesterday in Norwich. There was a geopolitical risk guy, and he was talking about China. He was talking about the US, talking about Russia, who's important, who's not. And you know, the long-term plan of Xi Jinping is clearly to have all of his, you know, Taiwan, Macau, all those countries in China. I think by 2049, that will have happened. By 2027, he's got an ambition for growth. So in the short term, he's interested in business. In the longer yeah. term, he's interested in going, take me on if you dare. So he's clearly defined his plan. We have got trouble ahead. It is a bleak prospect. And add to that, there's some, you know, Vlad in Russia can't do that much without Xi Jinping's approval. Yeah. However, if Vlad starts to lose, 
that isn't, doesn't suit China. So he will then support Russia with munitions, not directly. He can't be seen to do that because it, it is already a proxy war. It will be via, and this guy was seem pretty clear, and the supply will come from Egypt with funding and through banks in Saudi Arabia <coughs> and Turkey. That's pretty intensely that is, detailed, uh, but it will be Chinese munitions via Egypt into Russia to help them because the Ukrainians are going to counterattack, and Vlad, if he starts to lose, is going to be a problem. I would rather, you know, from a totally selfish perspective, that that is what happens, and he doesn't start firing nuclear warheads off. Really is a way of proving he's still a big, tough guy. But <laughs> Yeah. But I think what the Americans are, what Joe Biden is doing, is yeah. he's basically saying, look, we're going to internalise our economy a bit more. Yeah, well, sorry, which leads on to the link to that, I apologise, was the chips... They've got to keep control of the chips to keep them out of the Chinese hands. Microchips. Yeah. And also batteries at the moment, you know, in, I can't remember which African country, but 75% of the mines, 19 mines, 15 of them were Chinese owned or controlled for the mm. lithium. They've got, they've got the handle on it. They've got Africa in their pocket. Yeah. And so America are on the back foot. They have still got military superiority technically there's enough boats and things to equal the score but they haven't got the support groups they haven't got china are not ready to take on the u.s was the conclusion however they are working towards that there's a point 2035 when they should be able to go you know i'm taking taiwan and i'm taking this i'm taking that up yours yeah but that won't be biden's problem by then because it'll be 142 by then he'll probably still be running for president (laughs) by then running onto the stage but yeah which is (laughs) which is the other things happened this week which bear in mind josh's he's so old statement yeah that's not very pretty is it very cheerful what about um your comment a minute ago so it's quite interesting if you say like the turks or brokering or in between that deal but yeah Yeah. i mean that's not going to wash too well is it well, unless it's completely under the radar, but how do you keep something like that? I've under turned the radar? over a new leaf, Ian. I'm never saying anything controversial again. Really? I've spent a lot of this week being controversial. I'm told in various meetings I've attended. And oh, how did that go? Are um, you allowed to talk about it? Well, hang on. The controversy is around the digital grain passport, isn't it? Yeah, that's yeah. How did yeah. that go? I, I that's guess what I was saying. Meeting, yeah, that it is. Yeah, everyone's holding their breath now. Who's yeah? Just because I'm the mouthpiece doesn't mean to say I'm necessarily the enemy, I'll say to any of those end users who decide to write us off as a supplier. But to me, it is a, it was actually steaming along without any trouble as long as no one was talked to who disagreed with it. We're at a place where I think certainly NFU Scotland were not for it. You know, some big companies up in the north of England are not for it. There's this group of 4 million tonnes that are not for it. You've got some end users it suits, it saves them time. It gives them a yeah, security about what's coming into their sites. So it can see why they want to do it. It's a time saver for no effort. And the frightening thing was NFU England was, I think, under-informed. I think that they were just sort of, yeah, yeah, this is great. I'll get my weight back. But they hadn't, they've not done any thinking or debating about it. So there is an element of not misinformation, but there's been a lot of the debate has been skipped past and it's now coming to the fore. And Everybody wants the future to be bright and modern and easy. And anyone who throws up a problem doesn't make them old and decrepit and not aware. It is a very delicate subject. And the biggest issue to me is the competition issue. This is just another piece of legislation that stops people being able to compete with these massive... It's a complete barrier to entry. 
For, I mean, costs being one of them, but there's lots of other barriers. Just, uh, every regulation you stick onto the UK court. And this is in the country that voted to leave Europe. So we are increasing our... You're saying, oh, no, it's a direct replacement. It is increasing our reliance on third parties to manage something. You know, you're inventing a company that you have to go... Everything has to go through, putting massive data risk. I think the NFU lad wrote a letter saying something to the effect of, well, the banks have got one that's secure, so I'm sure... I'm sure that if the levy payer is happy to pay that many million pounds to have a really data secure system, they need to increase their levy by about 10 times because it's going to be a gargantuan cost. I think in the end, that's where we're going to end up. Well, if the software developer or the programmers, I mean, there's surely a budget in place. If there's a phenomenal overspend, where does that come to? Is that levy payer? One of the points that was raised is that every IT example in history mm-hmm. has an upfront quote which is palatable yeah yeah and everybody goes oh that's all right we can afford that you only this much levy comes in it's only gonna be this much yeah. hmm, it'd be a million pounds that's all the reality will be so once someone's got you in their little hands you are then oh well we got to well i didn't see that we've got to upgrade that we got to write that yeah and well, that's got to do that and examples you have to keep throwing money at it to keep it well, to get over the line. Examples yeah. given were that there's a Vodafone pushing something out in in Australia was a hundred million pound quote and it ended up as four hundred and fifty million pounds. And if you take the NHS health thing, there's so many examples. There's no yeah, the NHS health thing. A completely relevant one at the minute is the high speed two rail line, which, you know, the overspend on that is enormous. So the government are now scaling it back. Which leads on to the threat, and a couple of times it's been said, you know, small merchants need to be careful what they wish for, which mm. no one likes a school bully. <laughs> so you have to say, what am I scared of? If a big company invents its own tech, you know, electronic system for delivering to a consumer, well, there's, you know, they've got in-house a number of homes they've already got, so they can probably do that and cut everybody else out the loop. But it, it isn't so much at the moment in the hands of, the consumer's still kind of in control. We've still got a surplus. But we're heading to a period where it won't be the case. And I think that the farmer needs to think, why am I spending money on something that I can dictate, whether it what I want to declare, what I don't. If the government say I want these things and puts more regulation in the way, we're already struggling to compete with cheaper imports. Yeah. And so you're simply going to push more and more farmers towards the breadline or out of food production <coughs> in the UK. I suppose that's the key line, out of food production, yeah. Well, which is fine, so long as you can keep importing it, but, you know... Well, we know that's not a given anymore. Well, war, yeah. it's it's happening in Europe. We've upset Russia. They, they oh, it sounds fancy, oh, that won't happen, and that won't be hacked, and data's safe, etc. All of these things, oh, I didn't realise that was going to happen. Okay, we didn't realise COVID was going to happen. No, You yeah. know, there's... So it's risk-taking on a grand scale, and it is assumption that the farmer is going to be too lazy to actually listen, do some work, and work out whether it's to his advantage or not. I'm all for simplifying things. I'm yeah. all for getting definitely farmers to say they're up to spec. I'm definitely into the UK industry being really grown up about its product, and every lorry driver knowing the right behaviour to have to deliver the right goods. <coughs> yeah but not at the cost of extreme red tape or effort that other countries don't have to go through in order to deliver their grain. And the millers are the worst for importing milling wheat. You know, yes, there's a certificate on a boat, 
but that's once that's, every 500 yeah. tonnes, every 1,000 tonnes. Yeah. It's nowhere near the same scrutiny, and therefore it's not fair. That's kind of that's where I'm at with it. And, yeah, it's a double-edged sword. Did I cover that one without getting ranty? Yeah, you know, it's pretty good, actually. You were quite calm on that one. You don't know what's bubbling inside. <laughs> um, so with that, yeah, that's still happening, as I say. Hopefully we'll see how it evolves. Let's move on to something else. What else is there? Generally, the UK's in a bit of a muddle. The projected growth rates, this guy who came on uh, radio yesterday saying you're going to be worse off. The, the Bank of England guy. Yeah, the one who took the pay cut to work for the Bank of England, who was highlighted in the Daily Hate Mail by <laughs> saying this man earns £190,000 a year and he lives in a £1.5 million London muse. What's relevant to that? Yeah. If he took a pay cut to get the job at the Bank of England, that makes him a good guy-ish, doesn't it? The guy who owns the Daily Mail earns a lot more than that, you know. So why don't we say the Daily Mail journalist who owns this much is writing this thing about this poorly paid banker? Anyway, they're trying to incite you to be angry with this guy who's supposedly wealthy or is wealthy, stating the obvious, when it's the exact thing the Daily Mail voted for or pushed you to vote for in the Brexit thing. Economic sanctions for the UK means that our growth prospects are worse than Russia's. Yeah. And they're at war, and they've got economic sanctions on from all the rest of the world. Does anyone, just to me, extreme far-right newspapers need to be called out, (laughs) don't you think? Well, I think you can call out both sides, but in this instance, yeah, that was totally just bizarre, and... You know, I think George Osborne was uh, being questioned in the Commons yesterday and he commented that the Tories had just, well, certainly Liz Truss had crashed the economy spectacularly, you know, and and it was just like, yeah, it's been crashed several times now, the economy. We crashed it on Brexit. We crashed it on Liz Truss. You know. Every other country, because a lot of the time it's, well, we had the pandemic. Every country had the pandemic. So growth rates from now on means every country had the pandemic. So you can't use that as an excuse, can you? Yeah, no. And the war in Ukraine is a definitive thing that everybody's suffering from. You can't... So the Liz Trust thing and, and all of that is just Tory stuff, isn't it? It's like they got themselves in a muddle and their leader was caught out and he had to leave and so it goes. But aside from all of that, we as a country... I mean, is our pound going to weaken? Is that going to help the price of grain go up? Let's grasp at straws here. Is it? Is that... Yeah, I mean, the, the well, the pound would... I think its future prospects are pretty weak because, you know, there are many, many people out there saying pointless investing in the UK. Again, I go back to the Biden thing. I think there was an American company that said, we're not going to invest in the UK because our tax breaks in the US for developing... Well, Unipart in the UK said we think we're relocating because of the tax breaks. Yeah. Which, all right, so we're going to have to match it. Jeremy Hunt was going, yeah, we, we've got a great history. Didn't commit himself as usual, and he's waiting for Europe to play their card before he plays his and gives it 1% extra. But the reality is, you know, production, we aren't actually geared for producing anything anymore. No, really. no we are a service economy. Which... Well, it leaves you open to all kinds of things, I think. Yeah, I mean, we've known this all for a long time, haven't we? But you need to have some strong and powerful friends. And at the moment, the United States don't really feel like that either, do they? <laughs> no. <clears throat> so... Oh, oh, it's all very depressing. Yeah, right, something. So, come on. Come on, all right, upbeat. Upbeat. Diane Abbott has been chucked out of the Labour Party. <sighs> yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Really clutching there. I don't know. Yeah, I'm struggling. What have you got? No, oh, I don't have anything. Oh, it's great, isn't it? Yeah. What have you got, Webby? Any caravan stories? 
<laughs> None that I can repeat. Um, <laughs> no, nothing. All right, so we're happy little bunch. We've got Molly and Barley moving out the sites. We've got any minute now, lots of Futures Week going out the sites. It's going to be hit hard, I think. It's been Very a hard. request has been made. How much can you let out per day? Yeah. And we so we referred That's to exciting our, empty stores. Mm. Big great. I don't think all of the barley's going to make it out. It's no, getting I can a bit see that. Tight. It's yeah. May any minute, and one or two of these guys are limping towards the end. And that we've already had one say, he's, "Can he go into July?" And they can, but if everybody does the same thing, I mean, thankfully the harvest isn't early and I think it might just give us a bit of time, but it would be nice to get down to bare boards if I possibly can at as many sites. I yeah. am nervous about that. Yeah, no, it'd be great. I mean, well, before we know it, harvest is going to be here now, isn't it? It's like getting into May, a couple of bank holidays and yeah. Yeah. What else has happened? I think you won't appreciate this, but Man City are going to win the Premiership. Man United unfortunately beat Brighton on penalties. Everyone's bored with people like Arsenal or Man United winning the FA Cup. If a small club wins it, it's really exciting and everybody cares. But unfortunately, Man U won it, which is great. So they're going to play Man City in the final. And who's going to watch? Not many people. Norwich City has slipped into obscurity in the middle of the championship, playing the most ridiculously crap football on the planet. I think, as everyone knows, I'm not really a football supporter generally. Mm-hmm. Two left feet. But um, I have quite enjoyed... And it's a bit sort of like gimmicky, but the, the Wrexham story, I think it's funny. I think it's great. I love it. I'm not a football person, but if you watch the Wrexham thing, it's yeah. very, very funny. Yeah, sycophantic Hollywood star followers. Uh. Yeah, there's a Welsh woman on there. Ryan Reynolds is actually, I'm not a huge fan of but he's, he's very, very funny, yeah. right? And he's actually quite charming. And there was a classic scene last night. They went to Wrexham, Ryan and Rob. And they did a full day meeting people. And then they go into a DVD shop. Now, this was, there's this Wrexham guy, you know, in his DVD shop. And there's Ryan and Rob having a look around. And then Ryan Reynolds turns to the DVD guy and says, uh, which DVD have you never rented out? And the bloke looks him straight in the eyes and goes, well, that's easy. Green Lantern. Right. For those who don't know, Ryan Reynolds was the Green Lantern. And the film was absolute rubbish. And then the bloke goes... I don't think anyone knew what was happening in that movie. And Ryan Reynolds was genuinely laughing and went, yeah, I don't think the guy that edited the film knew what was going on. And it was just genius. And then there was another scene where they're in the pub and they've got the new manager, Phil something, who you'd know. Anyway, and all the fans are going, well, he's had 11 games in charge and he's not doing very well. And Ryan Reynolds turns around and goes, look, if you were to judge me on my first 11 movies, I wouldn't have a career. So, and it was just, it's very well done. I think, yeah, if they were complete knobheads, it would not have the same appeal. But they are, and it looks like they're really enjoying it and having quite a a laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Fair play. They love a beer. They do. There's there's one scene where they get absolutely trolleyed in this pub. And then they go to a board meeting the next day and they look absolutely dreadful. The irony of this enthusiasm about football is not wasted on me, or anyone who likes football will appreciate the two. It's, but it's not football, it's the story. It exactly. is like you know, Hollywood, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, it is. Oh, isn't it? Isn't it now? And they've gone up, they're going to come into the Football League. And how far can they take it? That's mm. the next question. But I'd like the funny bits of banter. You know, they're trying to tap up like Bale at the moment. They're like, 
Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah, like, I'll walk you around a golf course for four hours and persuade you to come and play for us. And Bale was like, depends which golf course. You know, so it's, but I think it's funny. They don't take it too seriously. No, they're clearly really passionate, but they're having no, a real they've, laugh. They've, they've done a great thing for the bringing together of the community, isn't it, in the club? Yeah. That really yeah. is. They have done a phenomenally good mm. job at it, and which, you know. But the odd thing is, Loads of Americans now know where Wrexham is. Yeah, I uh, yeah. didn't even know where Wrexham was, oh. barely. <laughs> you need to put a futures store, then you'd know. <laughs> Can someone tend to Wrexham, please? And then maybe you'll go and inspect it when there's a home game. <laughs> yeah, okay, well, that's good. I'm very delighted that you've got an interest in Wrexham FC. That's really good. In the meantime, as I was saying about lo- local teams, Norwich City <laughs> failed. Yeah, Ipswich Town will get promoted. Well, they're mathematically not quite there yet, but by the time this podcast goes out, they should be. So, I mean, we get out Norfolk or Derby. Yeah, Derby. Yeah. And Ipswich and Norwich fans can do their traditional hating of each other from a much closer yeah. range. It's always good. I mean, I will say this. I, I'm the only person in the entire stadium who doesn't mind either way. I was an Ipswich Town fan as a kid because of... I've told the story in a yeah. previous podcast. You have You're to find given it. The, given a blue yeah. shirt. And, and so there I am, and I loved it. Bobby Robson, all that stuff, all those trophies. Norwich never won a trophy except for the Milk Cup and all that. And I used to tease my brother and everybody about it. But my dad took us to Norwich games all the time, all the way through my youth. So I'm so I like it if Norwich win. So Ipswich play Norwich, and one side beats the other. I kind of have a yeah. I'm happy. I'm easy. I get it. Either way, I win. But. The and it is hatred and hate's a funny thing. I really enjoyed going back to it. The podcast you did with your brother Charlie, yeah, brother. Charlie, and he kept calling Bin Men, wasn't yeah. it? The man yeah. whose favourite television was Ipswich fans crying on Look East because they hadn't won through in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah that is really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good podcast. I remember it quite well. It was quite funny. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. This is the boy who saves up washing up until he's got a full sink full of hot water before he washes it because he has to <laughs> Great. save money. Yeah. Also, the other good one we heard this morning about your brother was that when your sister was staying with him, <laughs> and he, he went away for a couple of weeks, so what he decided to do was to take the taps off the bath so she couldn't use any hot water. Yeah. <laughs> Which brings me to traits in families, I get that. You know, success in business is not just about making money. It's not about scoring goals. You know, you've got to make sure you don't let any in at the same time. So it's the same scenario. My chair. Because yeah. oh. you lot have had 700 chairs each in the time we've worked here. And all of this is on the, you know, the old But we just assets. spend a lot of time sitting in them. Yes. Yeah, and also, sitting, actually, sitting back you in spend them. quite a lot of time sitting in other people's chairs. Not yours. You, you, long you way do? Around. When I've been away, I've come back to my desk, there's been <clears throat> food everywhere. You know, not my desk, the company desk. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and so I think you wander around the trading floor, sitting in people's chairs. My chair is over oh, 20 years old. Yes. Right? The plastic around the base of it fell off, the other, like flaked off. It's like paper because it's so old. And I can't even remember when I bought it. And all of the arms are worn where it's gone under the desk over the years and so on. And I finally conceded I've got to buy a new one because it really has had it now. And there's holes in it and all that sort of thing. But it's one of those, you know, I've got to teach you, you youngsters. And anyone listening out there, you've got to be frugal. I mean, I, how many staplers have I bought with this company? Oh, my God. I reckon I've bought <laughs> 742 staplers. Oh. I can guarantee you've bought a lot more rulers. <laughs> Ian, I think I do about a ruler every other day. Ian breaks rulers for some yeah. reason. Why do you do that? No, I think when I'm thinking, I kind of like put the ruler on my shoulder and flex it and bend it. Yeah, that's clearly to a point, and it clearly not thinking bends. about everything. And I even can, not yeah, thinking about even the bust all the flexible ones as well. You know, those yeah, bendy ones. There's a shock. 
Yeah. Because you push them until they break, and then you go, oh, that was its stress point. I, and I but you don't get, make a note about that, do you? I still and get you shocked pick up the next breaks as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, again, anyone out there who's running a business, you could be really strict about rulers. I tend not to mention it. I'm really cash and calm about it. But, yeah, you know, it's another pound you've got to make, isn't it? We've got lots of half rulers. <laughs> Perhaps we should buy some super glue. Anyway, we're going off script. Yeah. Anyway, so this has been a very, very big week. The tender thing we talked about at the start. The market has come right down. We just, you know, we've seen the market trade down to 188 as a contract low. Whether it goes any lower for the last bit, there's a few people. There's an open position still out there, mm. three or four hundred lots. Yeah, and that is still to be sorted. So it could still be. If somebody brought in some tonnage from somewhere grotesquely ugly in the last week or two, it could go lower, which yeah. is quite scary. But I don't think X farm wheat's going to go much lower. Mm. Yeah. That's where we're going to I end this. That. I, that. I think that's come to a stop, and it's now technically who's got futures. And I think if I was long, I would be worried for a quid for a little while. I think there's some threat of tonnage coming in. Yeah means they've got to pay for it, and there's no way they'll make a profit out of it. No. If it trades much lower than 185 on the futures, and the FOB values stay where they are, in theory, if you can sell a FOB, you, can, go, you, probably you should be able to get, get out of it. Yeah, so yeah. hopefully the rot will stop any second it's about there. But I just think one or two people sitting long of it who are waiting for the next tender and have to write another checkout I think the pressure's on, which we've said all along. But I think it's, and, it's done what there we is said. A, uh, I think there's only a 20-lot OI on the July, isn't there? Yeah. That's going to be interesting. It's, you know, someone's going to end up with something somewhere obscure, aren't they? And it's not very pretty, but that's up to them. But the best thing for us is, and we will milk this, we predicted exactly this. We predicted the futures would go down below 190. And it has. And that's a hell of a call from all those months ago and all those high prices. So. This is one of those markets, without any doubt, we called right. Yeah. So I think on that note, we'll end. Have a great week. Cheers. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Make sure you subscribe to get updates on new episodes and when they are released. And follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Dewing Grain. Call Dewing Grain on 01263 731 550 or email info at uk. The Dewing Grain podcast is produced by East Coast Design Studio, a full-service creative agency specialising in websites, digital marketing and branding. Get in touch to inquire with their friendly team on info at uk.